Hey friends, welcome to the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast. A podcast that's not about growing marijuana or gardening, but is about living in radical faith and full submission to God. I'm sure glad you're here. The Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast is hosted by me, Connie Lawson, and airs Mondays and Fridays on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to check me out on social media, both Instagram and Facebook at Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things. You can also go to our website at blog.weedseedsandbeautifulthings.com to leave your prayer requests or a comment and to read our blog whenever I write one, which is not very frequently because speaking is my jam, not writing. Anyway, I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this show started. Hey friends, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Connie, and I am so glad you're here. Today I'm going to be picking up, continuing to talk about perseverance. And we're going to be in Exodus again, just kind of going from where we left off last week. If you hear kind of a little um, subtle difference in my voice, it is because I am still, after all this time, battling this miserable, miserable cold. I think it's a combination of low, you know, immune system because I'm very pregnant and also just kind of getting back out into the world has, after the year-long quarantine, is kind of making germs a little bit harder for our bodies to to handle. I know the hospitals here in the city are having huge uptick in the cases of RSV and the little ones, so... Anyway, we could all be praying for each other that we can stay healthy and that our immune systems can get back to doing what their God-given abilities are supposed to be doing, which is fighting off diseases, after we have been so locked up and isolated for so long. I know that this kind of same irritating sickness is getting a lot of my friends and their kids. So anyway, we could just all be praying for each other. Today I was reading in Exodus and I noticed a pattern and I wanted to share this pattern with you. It really spoke to me about uh, the uh, aspect of persevering. And we see from last time that the children of Israel are in Egypt. They are in bondage. The Pharaoh that knew Joseph, that loved Joseph, has come and gone And so there's a new pharaoh in town, and he doesn't like the Israelite people. And he is causing them great hardship, making them work very, very hard. And so this is the point where God has come to Moses in the burning bush and sent him back into Egypt to be the deliverer of the people, the children of Israel. And we have watched, if you go and read in Exodus 4, you will see Moses' struggle with believing that he can do what God is telling him to do, believing that God is big enough to do these huge plans and promises that God has spoken through Moses. So we see his faith crisis, his doubting, and his, you know, going back and back and back to the Lord with just kind of an attitude of, anxiety and I don't want to do this because I can't and you've got the wrong guy God and so now we are fast forwarding and we 
are in kind of the end of chapter four and the beginning of chapter five. And this is where Moses finally was able to get his brother Aaron to go and help him because he was concerned about his inability to do the task that the Lord had commanded. And he stuttered and this, that, and the other thing. And so the Lord said, we'll take Aaron, your brother, and tell Aaron what I tell you, and he can be your mouthpiece. And so Moses and Aaron have met with the elders of the people, the children of Israel inside of Egypt, and they have told them, it says in chapter 4 of Exodus in verse 30, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and had seen their, and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshipped. So a key thing here that I want you to notice is in verse 30, it says very clearly that Aaron spoke all of the words. So first he spoke the words from the Lord. But then he did the signs in the sight of the people. And then it's interesting to note that after he did the signs, the people believed. So that's where I want to start our message today, uh, our little encouraging podcast, is around this idea that this is a backwards type of faith that we see here. In verse 30, it says, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses, and he did the signs. And then the people believed. So what we're seeing is that the words of God, the thing that should be the most powerful in not only the children of, of um, Israel's lives, but in our lives, are the words of God. The words of God alone should be the most powerful thing. They should be enough to sustain us and to help us to be able to continue on in what we are you know, being called to do, or they should be enough to anchor our soul to hope when we are feeling distressed, but oftentimes we have a backwards faith going on, a faith that has a momentary feeling based on a belief. So they had a feeling, their their faith was kind of solidified through those signs, instead of being solidified that the word of the Lord had come to them because of the signs. And what were the signs? Well, if you go back, you will read there were I believe three different signs um, that the Lord gave Moses to do. Um, One was throwing his rod down and it became a serpent. The next was putting his hand in his coat and it became leprous and then putting it back in his coat and he was healed. And the third one was touching the uh, river and the water turned to blood. So those were the signs. But then if you look interestingly enough, those were the signs that Pharaoh's magicians were able to copy. And so not only are the signs in our lives kind of a, a second best for the word of God, they also are and can be manipulated by the enemy. And so we often as a people want to look for things that we can see. A sign is something we can see versus just having this solid faith and belief that if God spoke it, that holds enough power and enough weight for us to continue to believe even when we don't see. 
And you may say, well, what does the Lord speak to me? Well, that's where reading his word comes in, uh, and it's a key thing. Because when we're reading the word of God, and we're spending time in the word of God, then we can know what he's speaking to us. And then when we're spending time with him in his word, and then we're going out and we're living our lives in a regular fashion, and we're dealing with people, or we're listening to music, or we're, you know, watching sermons, or whatever, then we start to pick up on how the Lord speaks through other avenues of encouragement, whether that be through friends, family, social media, whatever. There is no limit or no box, no box that we can put God in to where we can say, well, he won't speak here or he won't speak there. If you do, you're just, again, you're, you're taking authority and power that really isn't yours. There is nothing that my God cannot do. But he's not going to start speaking to me or to you through other means than his word, and his word being his scripture, the Bible, if we're not spending time in his Bible, in the Word of God. So when we spend time in the Word of God, then we get to know the voice of God. Then we can start to pick up on the other ways that he's reaching out and offering us encouragement. But that also takes discernment. And so we need to be aware that believing something because of a sign is risky. And that's not true faith. Because it says in In the Bible, it says in Hebrews that faith is that which is not seen. So, when we have something that's only backed up because of a sign, we need to understand that that's not a true type of faith. And I'm not saying that you can't have signs, but I'm saying that we need to come to a place in our life and in our heart where the Word of God is all the weight that we need to believe in his promises and to know his truth. And his truth doesn't change. His truth is not relative. And so that's how we can discern if what we are believing, that's how we can discern if what we are believing is a truth from the Lord or a lie of the enemy. And we need to understand that lies of the enemy um, will mimic the truth. The best lies have a part or are in part truth. Okay, so discernment comes from knowing what God is speaking, and we know what God is speaking by spending time in his word. And so we need to be a people that when we hear the word of the Lord speak to us, that we believe it, that we aren't made to believe God through puny human signs, but that we are a a people of a stout faith that know the word of God and believe it because God to us is who he says he is, and that holds weight and power. And when we can do that, then we're not going to be so easily tossed to and fro by our feelings. Because again, when we are living our day-to-day lives, there are going to be so many feelings, so many signals, so many people in so many different ways speaking things to us and over us and 
over our lives and our families' lives that the only way we're going to be able to know what is true, what should I hold on to, what should I get rid of, is to know what God says. When we know what God says, then we can hold on to what is true and let go of what is false. And it's important that we do that because it's so easy to get bogged down by the good and the bad of the enemy. It's not all bad. Sometimes it's uh, secret, you know, pride that comes in or a wrong direction or doing something that potentially seems good, but it would be not good for us. But we miss that because we're not able to know what the word of the Lord is for us. And in this case of the children of Israel, they were in a season of great oppression. They were in a season of bondage, of being slaves to terrible taskmasters that worked them to the bone, that paid them very little. They were impoverished. They were living in a terrible, terrible, terrible condition. And the Lord sent a deliverer to them. And here's the key thing. He sent the deliverer. He didn't send the deliverance. We often get confused and we think, well, the Lord said he was going to deliver me from this or this was going to work out. So why is A, B, C, and D still happening? It is important to note that in Exodus 4 that the Lord is sending them a deliverer. Not their deliverance. That comes later. And why is that? Because deliverance itself is a journey in which we must persevere through. Just because the Lord speaks a word to us, speaks a promise to us, speaks that he is going to move in a situation, doesn't mean that the next instant we're going to be out of the painful place that we're in. What it means is that the Lord has a plan and he is giving you or giving me or giving us a little bit of something to look forward to. He's giving us his divine assurance that there is a better outcome that's going to happen, that he is going to provide a way. But aside from that, he didn't provide the children of Israel with any other knowledge of what he was going to do. The words that the Lord spoke to Moses that Aaron conveyed to the children of Israel were that I, the Lord, have seen and I have heard and I am going to take you out of here. But he never said when and he never said how and he never said how long it would be because deliverance is a faith journey, a journey that we must persevere through. And just because God gives us a word that he is going to, whatever, I, I, for instance, and I, I go back to this because it's, oh, it's just so um, at the ready for me to use, but my journey with infertility, it's been over six years in the making, much longer than that if you count the years of just getting my heart ready to even talk about it. There's so much woundedness there. 
But the Lord spoke a word to me. He spoke a word to me in the quiet darkness of my bedroom as I read through the Bible, as I did my quiet time with the Lord that I that I not always do, but that I regularly do, that I that I take as something that is important and I put it as a it's it's serious business to me. The Lord spoke a word to me and he said, I am going to give you children. Years passed and doors were shut and troubles arose and then pregnancy happened and children died and more children died. Ultimately, to where we are now. This is a journey. The deliverance of the Lord is a journey of faith. It's a journey of saying, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe that you will do what you said you would do because you are who you say that you are. It doesn't mean that we do it perfectly. Yes, we should strive to. But it means that we go back and we go back and we go back, which is really going forward and going forward and going forward. Let me explain. When you go back to the truth and you refuse to be taken off of your anchor, you refuse to be swept aside in the momentary emotion, the doubting, the demanding a sign because God's word isn't good enough or you were expecting you something quicker or something faster, but when you go back to the truth, you move forward in your journey of deliverance because it is only when we go back to who God is and what he has said and the weight that that carries that we move forward in our journey of deliverance. It is important to note that just because God said it and you are in a world of hurt does not mean that he took it back. It does not mean that you are not going to get what he promised you. It means hold on. Because the journey of deliverance, the journey out of the iron furnace, which is what Egypt is referenced as in scripture for the children of Israel, is a journey that is not just going to give you ultimately this end promise that God has, has said. That's not. His only goal is not to give you this thing that he promised you, but it is to change you as you walk through this journey of deliverance. So not only do you receive this blessing that he promised at the end, but you are a changed person with a stout faith and a godly character that can persevere through trial and through doubt and through emotions and through hardship. So God's whole plan of deliverance for the children of Israel is his plan of deliverance for you. And if he has spoken a word to you, if he has said, I will do this or I will do that or I am going to work in this situation, then you be faithful. You hold on. It doesn't matter what things look like. It matters the God that you serve. And if your God said it, your God will do it. And if you don't know this God that I speak of, you need to. And if you want help understanding 
some questions about faith or the Bible or Jesus, do reach out. I have a website. I don't really write a blog anymore. Um, as I say in the intro, speaking's my jam, not writing. So if you want to reach out, though, I will personally read the emails that are sent to me, and I will respond. So if you have a faith question, do reach out. You can find me on the web at blog weedseedsandbeautifulthings.com See you next week. Do take care.